Hello, welcome to the Equipped Podcast for Leaders. And yes, you are the right place because you are a leader. One of the philosophies I have is that you are a leader. Now, this is why I say that is that because leadership equals influence. And so I just want you to think about in your life where you have influence. If you have any kind of influence in your life, which you do, and if you don't think so, just think through these areas of life in, in your family life, in your work life, if you go to school, in your school life, you have influence. And so you have influence, you are a leader. So today, we're gonna equip you for leadership. All right, so today I'm interviewing Jen Green. We had a great conversation and we just chat about what it means to lead through trials and tribulation. All right, and I want you to stick around because Jen has an incredible story of how God has taken her through some really hard times, uh, physically, emotionally, and how he has led her on the other side as a leader. And not only as he's led her on the other side, but through that entire process as how he grew her to be a better and better and better leader. Um, and I'm really excited about our conversation. And so without further ado, we're just gonna get to it. Here is Jen Green. All right, well, hey, we have our guest today, Jennifer Green. Jennifer, Hello. this is the wife to Matthew Green, mother to Melina and Isaac, homeschool teacher, new title. Yes. Yes, you're yep. also a physical therapy assistant. That's is correct. that correct? Yep. Yes. Okay. Uh, but the main reason, the main thing, well, those are all main things, right? <laughs> but the one really important reason you're here today is you are an all-star volunteer leader. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right. In other words, this is not, when it comes to leadership within cross points, you are not vocational. This right. is not something that you're paid for. Correct. You simply are volunteering yeah. in different leadership roles here at the church. Yes. I've never been in a paid position. Never been in a paid, and all-star. Great job. And you've been doing it for years. This yeah. is not a new thing for you. No, I've been, I started when I was 18. 18 so years old. Five, five years, six years. Yeah. Plus 10. Yeah, yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We, I wasn't going to call you out on the age, right? It's just been a while. It's, it's been, been a while. while. It's yeah. been a while. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So some of the areas, that, tell me some of the areas you volunteered in, whether yep. leadership or otherwise at cross points. So my first role was as uh, missionary pastor David Jones, yes. missions assistant. Pre-lead pastor David yes. Jones. Back when he was the missions okay. pastor, I was the missions assistant for uh, right at a year. Year long, yep. okay. And, and so then, that was your kind of introduction into leadership or yeah, some sort of just formal. beyond just helping out in some way at the church. Yeah, I mean, I had always volunteered in, you know, either nursery or led worship in like our preschool children's ministry area. But as far as taking the lead on something, that okay. was my first. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so you did that. What are some other things that you've done? From there, I was, I started the college ministry and then the young adult ministry and then um, helped lead the merging of the two along with the team. Okay. Yep. And then I know you've been involved, super involved in women's ministry as well. Yep. Yeah. Uh, led that. I've led that now. Let's see, Ike is, he'll be six, so about five years. I've co-led that with Jan. And then move from there into helping you with connect groups. Yeah. And then yeah. from there into volunteer coordinating. Wow, that is a lot of things in a, a short things. amount of time. I that, do a lot yes. Of yes, you do. Okay, so tell me, <laughs> how did you even find yourself in those spaces? One or two. Like, um, yeah, like how most did it begin? Of the time, if I'm being honest, it was by someone else's suggestion. It was not my thought, opinion, okay. um, my idea. I'm an introvert and 
I'm a little bit passive, um, but uh, through the challenge of other leaders developing, discipling me over the course of the years. Okay, so I definitely see that in you, but I would also say that I've seen in you like some vision, sure. right? And some yes. vision like, hey, I believe in this. Yes. Can we do X, Y, Z? Yes. All right, so this is my question. We're going to talk in just a second about leading through trials and tribulations. But before we get there, I was thinking about this, thinking about someone comes to you, mm -hmm. young leader, and says, my dream is to do a college ministry, or it doesn't really matter what, X at my church. Where do I start? <laughs> what would be your answer? Because you, I mean, yeah. I've seen you do that, right? Yeah. In certain different areas in yep. the church, yeah. You don't do life alone. I think that's the big thing is if you want to do it, do it and find someone to mm. do it with you. Take I mean, someone that with you. Is, That's good. Yeah. It, you know, whether they co-lead with you or they join with you or you just have uh, someone who's been there along the way. You know, I know with my leadership, a lot of it was either I had a team with me or I had somebody that I uh, was investing in was investing in me. And so okay. someone I can check myself hmm. with. So a champion. Yep. Right. And sometimes that champion may be above you. Sometimes yep. it may be equal to you, may they even be below you, so to speak, in a mm -hmm. structural sense, yes. right? Yeah, but just someone to walk alongside with you, champion you in the process. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's good. Okay, that's a great tip. Okay, but today our theme is leading through trials and tribulations. And so a question for you is, what are some, as a leader, mm -hmm. as you've led, what are mm -hmm. some of the trials, tribulations that you've experienced you don't have to divulge my name necessarily, but... <laughs> yeah. Well, just in general, I cry on a regular basis. So I I've never tell seen people, that. I don't know what you're talking about. I say, if I cry, just overlook it. I'll come to you if it actually is a trial or tribulation. <laughs> just ignore the tears most of the time. But, you know, I think uh, in thinking back over that question, I think one of the hardest times for me to step into leadership was when I heard the voice of God telling me to join women's ministry. Mm. Okay, so what was difficult about okay, that? Okay, so I had, at the time I was driving, single parenting with my one-year-old and my two-month-old screaming in the back, and I was losing. You're not a single parent. I'm not, no, you're, but at the time the, I was, I think Matt was yourself. sick. I was, yeah, at, you know, okay. and I was totally, I was left Just clarifying. I'm not a single parent right now. <laughs> I don't, I don't have that. I, oh my gosh, my heart goes out to all you single parents for real. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> True. So, uh, yeah, I had postpartum. I had a colicky, angry baby. I had some a, trials and tribulations. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Um, was dealing with some mental health, and I was just praying to God for some strength. And I very, um, it, probably the most audibly I've ever heard God tell me to step into women's leadership. Wow. And okay. I wanted to tell him that he was out of his mind. Yes, right. Um, so how did you step forward into that, being in a place where you weren't comfortable, yep. but you felt God leading you into that place? And you, I'm assuming just by what you're saying, you, you were feeling broken. Yeah, I was right? broken. Um, you know, my husband was dealing with some mental health stuff at the time, and I was just feeling very alone. So I reached out to Jan, and I said, I think this is what God is saying to me. And, and she, Jan at this time Jan, was already leading right, or at least co-leading this co -leading ministry. Co-leading the women's ministry. And she said she'd been praying for a while that someone would step into it. Okay. So it is her fault that I'm there. <laughs> it's her prayers. And this is Jan's strength. Is she invited me into that space mm. and just asked me to just 
join in some of the events. Just walk with her. Just walk with her. Yeah. And from there, that love just developed. And I found a community that I wouldn't have found had I not stepped into a leadership role because I wouldn't have joined as a regular participant. That had been a hard no for me and a group mm. of friends because the women's ministry at the time had gone through some trials and tribulations themselves. So I myself was stepping in to somewhat of a broken ministry as a broken person myself. Yeah, so important things that I've, I've heard there is, one, you don't have to be fixed mm -hmm. to lead. Right. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. You, you can be a broken person and lead through your bro brokenness. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Right? Mm -hmm. And would you... Interesting question. Would you say that leading helped you fix some of those broken areas or maybe gave you the um, strength or determination to fix some of those broken things? Absolutely. And I think it was really powerful to help heal the ministry because, you know, I think one of my strengths is vulnerability and transparency. And so not pretending to be not pretending to be something I'm not. I don't have it together. I don't have all the answers. I weep openly all the time. <laughs> and and that's okay. That gives people who are following or not in leadership per, uh, permission to feel and do and lead through those things as well. And I think we really healed the women's ministry and raised up new leaders because we just owned to our weaknesses. So would you say that you learned those things that you just talked about. So like you don't, the way vulnerability gives other people permission. Did you learn those things simply through doing them trial and error? Or like, were you watching someone else? How did you even know? Honestly, I think it's one of my spiritual gifts, giftings. I okay. am surrounded by people who have shield or at the time growing up, I had a lot of shields up, but I was always just the open heart, the broken hearted. And I think God just placed people along my way who gave me permission to have my heart the way it was, to be transparent, to be vulnerable, um, to have the feelings. Um, and I think of like, we had a children's pastor growing up, uh, Pastor Rod. Yeah. He was really Shout out to Pastor, Pastor Rod. Rod. Yes. Yep. He was awesome. It, I remember he would just let me come into his office and just tell mm. him about my bad day or the hard things going on yeah. and reward me with candy. <laughs> so he really Note reinforced. Note to Pastor Nick, candy jar. <laughs> candy jar. I learned so many Bible verses at that time. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. you know, I think there was just people along the way who didn't necessarily demonstrate it, but they gave me permission to be okay. as I was. Yeah. So that's really key is giving people as a leader on this subject or not mm -hmm. trials is giving people permission just to be who they are mm -hmm. and, and just being okay with that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So one of the things, one of the reasons I was thinking about you in this subject was as a young adult, you walk through a super difficult trial, mm -hmm. uh, a physical accident. You had nothing to do. I mean, it wasn't your fault, right? right? You literally walked into it. So if would you mind just telling us <laughs> about that and yeah. just, I'm really interested in how that helped you grow because mm -hmm. I believe it did, whether you felt like it at the time or not, it helped you grow into who you are now as a leader. Yeah. So uh, it came at just the right time. Oh, uh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Interesting <laughs> point of view, right? That it you, came, uh, after you hear yeah. the story that you would have that point yeah. of view. Okay. Yeah. So it, it intercepted my life at a very pivotal moment. I had uh, a lot of my story and testimony is I grew up uh, loving Jesus. I said I had like a two parts to myself. I love God from the time I can remember 
with all of my half, and then this other half of me was broken and had my own addictions and my own struggles that were so far from God. Okay. And so there was half of me that really I think that's so common with (laughs) kids who grow up in the church, right? For sure. Yeah. So there was half of me just built in shame and half of me built in strength, and there just came that pressure point where I couldn't handle that anymore. It was exhausting. And I remember having a conversation with one of our other leaders about how I was just exhausted in that Mm. struggle of two-facedness. And my prayers at that point changed to just be, again, genuine in my prayer. Some, you know, my prayers had been very righteous and they said the right things and they were very honoring, but they weren't full of brokenness. And I think Mm. when my prayers changed to speaking to my brokenness and my desperation, Um, God really honored that. And so I prayed this prayer that I wanted God to make me whole and that I was committed to see it through. And then I joined an addiction support group just to help me through my addiction. And um, I actually spoke at their conference this last year, or just last week. Okay. We had 2,500 other women join in that conference. It was awesome. Got to share my story a little more transparently there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Okay, how old were you at this point? So it... I was 25, almost 26. Okay. I was going okay. to turn 26. And so I joined uh, a support group um, t- for my addiction, and it was awesome because I had already been on that healing journey for so long, and I had come so much further than other people. The other people in that group, it was like their very first step towards freedom, and okay. I had been kind of on that journey for a while. Yeah. And so for the first time, I saw hope that I was gonna see it through. Mm. Um, and then like six days later, a drunk driver left the road and hit me <laughs> in broad daylight. And you were walking, uh, you were literally walking, walking down the street, right? Yeah, yep. And it was the night before my 26th birthday. Oh, wow. Okay. And so when I woke up in the hospital, it was my 26th birthday. Happy birthday, Jen. Happy birthday. I got yeah. plastic surgery on my face. <laughs> and Yeah, I had a head injury. Um, Half of my face was broken. My arm had went through her windshield. I had um, some damage to my foot. Um, And none of that compared to the emotional trauma that happened at that moment, having an independent person who was just starting my career in the rehab world, Yeah, just moved out on my own, having my independence stripped from me. Yeah. So, so at that point, when the accident happened, yeah. were you living on your own? Were you living at home? Yeah, I had just moved about two blocks from my parents into a house with some roommates. Okay, and so how long were you in the hospital? Well, I was only in the hospital for about a week. Uh, only um, a week. Yeah, that's so a long time <laughs> in today's world, It was. Right? Yeah. Um, part of it was I, I had a little bit of a... Um, I kind of hid my head injury and I thought I did really good. And so (laughs) I convinced everyone that I didn't need any extra help. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so I went home and actually returned to work about three weeks later, despite the fact that I was not well. Yeah. Yeah. I was really struggling with masking myself and not wanting to admit my brokenness. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, from there I have had since then, I think I've had nine surgeries. You just had a surgery like, uh, yeah, within the last couple of years. Right. So you're still in some ways dealing with that. Yeah. I probably got one more coming up as well. So, so looking back, that was 10 ish years ago. 10 years ago. Exactly. Okay. How would you say that, obviously it's shaped your life, Mm -hmm. right? That accident, I mean, you point back to like, this was a turning point in your life. How would you say it was a turning point in how you led and as your leadership? 
um, why well, I said I did everything wrong. <laughs> uh, and so a lot of it was just as I was supported by people who were gentle enough to point out my weaknesses and I allowed those people to speak into my life that uh, things I was not capable of doing. And it affected every part of my life. I had a boyfriend at the time who broke up with me the day I came home from the hospital. Okay, great guy. Yeah, Good my, guy there, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's fine. It's fine. God bless him wherever he is. Yeah. Oh, come on. That's, that was a jerk. Can we just call it out for what it is? Yeah. That is a jerk, okay? Move on with the story. I had the better, that, I, you know, I If I he's won. listening today, you know who you are. That was jerk move, okay? Come on. Let's be real. Um, from there, my addictions, you know, I didn't have my support. And yeah, uh, yeah. the way head, hinge, head injuries work, a lot of impulsiveness and control. Okay. Like you lose a lot of your control with head injuries. And in my career, I actually ended up specializing in head injuries and trauma and spinal cords and all that I wouldn't have done had I not gone through what yeah, I yeah. did. And so understanding a lot of the science behind what I was dealing with helped me deal, deal with a lot of the spiritual that I was yeah. going through and not excuse it or lighten it, but to really understand that um, there are physical limitations as well um, to what I was capable of doing. And I think growing here in the church spiritually and growing physically in my job really helped me look at my wholeness, which wholeness is full person, body, mind, spirit, soul, the whole right. thing. And right. I think... So patience. that all helped shape your leadership mm -hmm. because you were... It sounds like you were being reshaped spiritually as well as physically. Right. Then all of that shaped you as a leader and how right. you viewed life yeah. and how you viewed people, dealing with people, dealing with structure, all mm -hmm. of those things. And so you look at if you look at my accident, there was about six months where things hit kind of that bottom of the well. It was one knock after another. In so it wasn't way. like the accident itself, waking up in the hospital was the low point. It was like no. going home was another low point or yeah. not dealing with the head injury was another low point. Yeah. Then obviously dealing with the relationship was a low point. Dealing with we had roommate issues. I yeah. kept having surgery. They weren't going to prosecute the person financially. I had maxed out every kind of insurance possible, so the financial burdens were starting to fall on me. And I don't mm. know if you know any 20-somethings that have $75,000 <laughs> laying around. Right. And, right. you know, ultimately I ended up racking up somewhere around a or about a half million dollars in medical bills. Okay, yeah. And the lawyer I had... Um, had lost hope at one point for any sort of justice whatsoever for me. Hmm. Wow. Um, and so it was at this moment six months later where I just lost it with God. And again, had another moment way back from right before my accident happened where I just said, I can't take it anymore. I have nothing else to offer. I yeah. have nothing else to give. There is nothing left in me. I'm empty. I'm broken. I, feel, mm -hmm. I said I feel, didn't even feel alive. I just felt like I was hmm. existing. This is before your accident. This, so that, I, this is after. This okay, so that's six months after. You're at that point where... I have nothing. Yeah. I would lost everything. Yeah. Um, all hope. And, um, you know, and plus I was in pain all the time. And yeah. uh, just had that moment of just saying, listen, God, I'm still here. I remember that prayer way back right before my accident of just wanting to be whole. Um, but I have no means to fix it on my own. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I thought I was offering God my attitude, but I really think God took it as a vulnerable moment of, um, you know, just submitting myself to him and really laying down 
which was, I have nothing, I can't fix myself. So if you want me fixed, you're gonna have to do it yourself mm. without my help because I can't help yeah. you help me anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that's when my life began to rebuild. Wow. Um, wow. In fact, it was such a pivotal prayer. That's the date that I celebrate, like my rebirth day, mm. because everything so that, changed at to, that to moment. you was the point when, like, you really, that salvation, even though you were saved, right? Yeah. There's that whole theological part, but like for you, like, salvation really hit that moment yeah, yeah. like the true understanding yeah of oh yeah meant. uh-huh yeah and, and surrender like, okay yeah for me yeah. having control issues that i do understanding that like yeah i give it to you i give it to you but i'm going to keep my hand on it and really yep. re- realizing that surrender really is taking your hands off yeah. or like i like to say it's like taking your name off the author's page of your life and allowing it to just be god's mm. yeah. wow that's a great great picture I'm, I'm kind of stuck there for a second. Sorry. Soak it in. Yeah. Just think about that. <laughs> no, really. Yeah. Like, I am no longer the author of my story. Yeah. Right? God is. I am a character. Yeah. But I'm not the author. Right. And I'm taking my, no bylines, nothing, right? It's just his, his name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So in that moment, obviously, you're laying in the hospital bed. Six months later, you're wishing, I'm assuming you're wishing this moment away. You're mm-hmm. wishing that it never happened. You're wishing... That you would have been walking the other way down the street or anything. You were would have been at the grocery store instead of there sure, at that moment, yeah. right? How do you feel differently about it today? I think I'm hearing it, but like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, um, you know, it took a little while to unfold all the bitterness and, you know, pain. Every time pain showed up or a new surgery mm-hmm. happened. Yeah. Um, it's re-traumatizing in a way. Um, sights and smells that, you know, my son has a history of running into the street and, um, okay, you know, yeah, it's re-traumatizing. Yeah. yeah. But it's, I, I, my prayer of thanksgiving to God is if there was no other way that I could have been healed to the extent I was healed and to learn about who you are and your goodness to me, if there was no other way, then it was worth it. And I think about that prayer of, Jesus, right before he was right. arrested. He's in the garden, yeah. And he is like, if there's any other way. Take the cup away Take the cup yeah. away. Yeah. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours. And I think that's such a great prayer to pray. Like, put out your bold prayer and ask for a different path. Hmm. But add the asterisks of, but not my will, but yours, because it kind of covers <laughs> yeah, your but that's bases. A, that, yeah, but that is a super scary prayer. Right. Right? Your will be done. Yeah. God, I give it all up. That's a really... Yeah, but be- there was a king, like, in the Old Testament who asked to live longer, mm-hmm. and then his whole course of his legacy and trajectory changed to, like, one of wickedness because he didn't add that avocado of, like... Yeah. I mean that's my yeah, yeah, yeah. that's my humor, but you know, I don't know if that's biblical. <laughs> Theological, like, if that's true. If he or would not, have yeah. said, "Nevertheless, not my will, but yours." Yeah. <laughs> what would have happened? Yeah. I st- still, though, to have that prayer, to yeah. be in that vulnerable, right? You talked about vulnerability as one of your s- superpowers. Yeah. Right. That's a really vulnerable place to be, and if you are truly saying that, like in mm-hmm. truth, like, okay, God, this is what I want, but not what I want, what you want, God. I'll mm-hmm. do whatever you want. Or the worst prayer is I'll do whatever you want except for, right? Because then you're like saying, God, I will basically be doing yeah. this thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So looking back, young Jen, mm-hmm. you're not old now, no. all right? I'm just the current Jen, all right? Uh-huh. I'm older than you, I'm, so I'm not calling you old. So looking back at young Jen, yes. what does current Jen, 
wish that young Jen understood about leadership? One thing. Yeah, I think the one thing is it's okay to lead right where you're at. Mm. Um, I never felt like I was enough. I never felt like I was qualified. Yeah. Um, and it's only really honestly been in the last, I would say, three years that I really owned uh, any sort of strength in leadership and, and calling, feeling brave enough to call myself a leader and to do it on purpose. And, um, yeah, I would say it's okay to lead right where you're at. Yeah, I think that's really true. I, I also think that there's something about maturity. Um, I read this book by Kerry Newhoff. I wish I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. I can't remember the name of the book, but, um, he talks about when he's, he, got into his 40s, specifically like 45, he felt like he got in this new place of understanding and stepping into authority. Mm -hmm. And I have felt that in my own life, right? Just maturity. So definitely, I totally agree with you. What you're saying is that young leaders just lead, right? You're going to make mistakes. You're going to screw up. And that's how you're going to learn. But there is something about as you mature, you step into the authority that Mm -hmm. you have and you feel comfortable. You just like, Hey, I, these shoes now fit, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But I think you're right. Absolutely. It's, there's something about simply just leading. Yeah. Right. And that's how you, you learn. Yeah. You just do it. You walk. Yeah. I just say, Pastor David does a great job of, of seeing leadership in young people. Yeah, and he is. he was really pivotal in, in right? that, especially seeing who I was at the time that he invited me in to be a missions assistant way back when. Yeah. I, I think it took us six months before I was brave enough to have a conversation with him because I was so shy and felt so insecure and so disqualified. And he saw that. And I think that, ins- you know, has helped me as a leader see leadership in hmm. people who don't see it in themselves. Yeah. That's really good. That's really good. Okay. So a couple more questions. Um, You've been through, you've really learned, I think, just hearing your story, how to lead through hard times. Now something hard hits, and that's a subjective thing, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's a hard day or it's a major crisis, right? How do you respond? What are there steps that you walk through? Is there some sort of thought process in your head? Like you're dealing with a person, you're dealing with a situation. Again, whether it's just this day or it's this months-long, weeks-long issue, right? Is there something that you do? I mean, for me, it's counseling or, you know, having a buddy system. I mean, again, don't don't do life alone. We weren't meant to do life alone. And, you know, the leaders that I follow and people that I find to be really strong, powerful leaders, even in the hardest of times, is they don't admit to be inhuman. They admit that they're human and that Mm -hmm. life happens. And sometimes that means you need to take a step back, take a change, breathe, get some counseling, talk to someone. I mean, there is nothing wrong with meeting your needs in those hard times. Yeah. And I think you are not, you are not, if anything, spiritually, you're going to be more vulnerable to attacks and hard times because it's not just you. You've got everyone underneath Mm. you um, or beside you that you um, are now at risk for having to carry on yourself as well. And so I really think admitting that you're going to need help. Yeah. Okay, so this kind of leads in. I think I'm hearing what you're saying, and I wonder if this answers the next question, which is a Facebook question. Someone actually, they sent this to me as a direct message. They didn't want to say this publicly, so I won't say who it was, but their question was this. How do you lead when you're grieving? Mm -hmm. And so in this person in particular, he lost his dad in August, and he's trying to lead um, 
grief sessions or grief small group, um, but he's like seriously grieving himself. Yeah. Um, so how do you lead? How would you say you would lead in the midst of grief yourself? And obviously you have, right? To right. a certain extent. Yeah. Again, I think it was, I never led alone, right? Okay. I always had people with me and it is okay. If you're an introvert like me, I may come across as extra extrovert, but I, my default is introvert all the way. Uh, I need uh, you know, if I just take the example, I did not plan on homeschooling. I really had to grieve the process of putting hmm. my dreams and my plans on yeah. home, hold to homeschool my kids. Yeah. And for me, that coping mechanism is I do need a lot of quiet time. I need a lot of alone time. I've gone to counseling to help me just strengthen a lot of my impulses and my decision makings yeah. and self-care. Yeah. And uh, as someone who is naturally just a self-sabotager, learning to self-care and reaching out to a friend, uh, reaching out to, you know, if you're an extrovert, reach out to your friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's different for us introverts. Yeah. yeah. Our one friend versus... Yeah, I just yeah. can't, I can't stress enough that that self-care and not denying your grief just because you're a leader doesn't yeah. mean, mm -hmm. I mean, if Jesus could mourn over Lazarus and shed tears in that moment, moment why he mm -hmm. had all those people surrounding him then give yourself permission to be in grief yeah and i think that idea of stepping away right there yeah. is a time even in leadership to say i am stepping away right jesus it was days or hours yeah. that he would step away right and then he would step back mm -hmm. in and i think there are times that we just step away to care for ourselves yep. and then the times right that we step back in yeah okay so next question is um, how do you lead during massive burnout okay so this person is not talking in the uh, ministry context he has a business okay so it says we've uh, quadrupled our volume of work but don't currently have enough staff to handle it um, he's a photographer so we've had sessions the last 30 of 32 days so he's working almost every day and I'm super tired, as you can imagine. He has a growing team, still needs lots of training. I'm finding myself at the empty fuel tank with nothing more to give. That's a hard place to be. It's a really hard place to be. I don't know that I personally have been to the point where I didn't have the option to step out. So, yeah. you know, my, I've had that, I mean, stepping here, this was a really big change for me to step down from volunteer coordinator when I did, that was not yeah. the plan for any of us. But, you know, I don't know that I've ever been, it sounds like in the position where it's pivotal that he stays in that position. Yeah. Um, but again, I just get that image of Jesus healing and feeding thousands upon thousands of people. And he never apologized for needing to step away to refuel himself. Yeah, so the one thing I was, I was thinking about you and I was thinking about, uh, I, you remember, you came to me, I don't know what this is, about five years ago, and you said, I have this idea, and I don't even know exactly how it all came about, but we have this opportunity <laughs> to host the speaker, Jenny Allen. And I was like, and uh, it's gonna be hundreds of people, and at the time it was, I don't know how much money it was, but we had to front thousands of dollars, mm -hmm. and our budget was pretty small, Yeah. Uh, that we really couldn't just afford it, but you were like, I think we can sell the tickets, I think if we do X, Y, and Z, we can do it, and I said, Jen, I believe in you, go for it, well, Let's be do honest, it. there was a misunderstanding, we agreed accidentally. <laughs> Let's be honest. We agreed accidentally. We However, you look at it versus we look at it, 
all different, it, right? It but was the, great. But the point was, there was a lot of pressure on sure. you, right? Because oh. my point was, I said, Jen, we can do this, but we can't lose money. And you took that seriously, which uh, yeah, I really absolutely. respected, right? But I was thinking about you thinking you worked super hard. Mm-hmm. You were already had a job. Yep. Like this was, not, again, not your job no. as a vocational sense. You were just volunteering. You were reaching out. How did you manage the stress yeah. of that moment I'm going to be repetitive. I didn't do it alone. Yeah. I didn't yeah. do it alone. I grew a team. I think that's one of my strengths. And I think that's what we're called, right? We're called mm-hmm. to make disciples. And so, you know, even Jesus didn't do ministry alone. As he was ministering to others, he was yeah. raising up people and he distributed his talents, his power, his ministry onto other people. And I just gathered myself a team, a lot of people who had never done anything like that before, like me. And I just began to divvy up based on gifts and talents. You know, I wouldn't ask somebody like myself to be good at math when I, although during that season, I became very good good at math. math. I I did just for that. It went away. No, Second grade's helping. (laughs) (laughs) Second grade's helping. You would not believe my my yeah. uh, in-head mat. But yeah. again, just being repetitive, you can't, you can't So in do this guy's space, what you would say is, and this is maybe what I would say, is sometimes we're afraid to give something away because we're afraid that that person might fail, mm-hmm. right? He's saying uh, they're not quite trained enough, Yes. right? And sometimes if you are in a spot where you don't have a, ch- you're working 30 out of 32 hours, is it better to give something away mm-hmm. and deal with some of the problems on the back end, right? But you're hopefully that person is growing and learning, learning their job, their skill to lead themselves. Right. right? And and again, if that's a point where you have someone you're not trusting, just remember, you know, at some point I was that person, you know, we have uh, three young people who are preaching back to back this week. They're Mm -hmm. all very young and they're not nearly as, you know, as experienced as you or Nick or David. And the risk is worth the payoff of the long term. The long term. Right. The long term. I would yeah. also say, you know, I want to be very careful not projecting onto this specific incident. But we had a, a girl in our life who just had put herself in a position of ministry where she felt like if she didn't show up for every single event mm. that she had a hand in, that everything would fail. Yeah. And I just want to caution people to not put yourself in the position mm-hmm. of everything rest on you or the you know a church service would not be able to exist without you i think that's putting yourself in a very dangerous position i'm not going to use the word idle but it's kind of like setting yourself up in a position of necessity that's just not healthy it's just yeah, it's long term yeah. for sure absolutely. community shouldn't be you know dependent upon one person yeah right yeah so yeah. man great thoughts okay last thing uh, this one was submitted by your husband, actually. Uh-oh. Um, and he says, I would like to know how she continues to be an amazing wife and mother of all time. Oh, well, I don't Smiley do life alone. Face emoji. There you go. You guys I got are a great team. husband, You're my kids. Yeah. I've got all my family, and you guys have been so pivotal. And I get a lot of great parenting advice from you guys <laughs> who have gone before me. And yeah, we, we try so. to figure it out for you. Okay, well, Jen, thank you so much for being a part yeah. of the podcast. Anything that you would like to say, kind of closing? thoughts you have a captive audience if you think that you're not a leader think again um mm, yep. consciously that is that is the theme of this podcast yeah. jen yeah. yeah you're a leader uh, yeah you're a leader i promise you someone's watching you even if yeah. you don't think so it's not creepy do it on purpose if someone's going to think you're a leader then lead on purpose mm, good. yeah all right well thanks so much for being yeah. here appreciate thanks. it
Well, hey, that was a great interview with Jen. Really appreciated having her on. And um, there's a lot there. Um, I wish actually sitting here thinking about it, I wish we had more time. I think we could have gone in depth in some other areas. But what I want to do right now is I wanted to go over three tips that I have or three ways to lead through trials and tribulations, what you can do. Um, because again, you're a leader. I believe that you're a leader. You have influence, so you're a leader. So here are some things that you can do leading through trials and tribulations. And the first one is to recognize that uh, there are seasons in everything in life. And this idea comes from Ecclesiastes 3, um, verses 1 through 8. You probably heard this, right? There's a season to mourn. There's a season to laugh. There's a season to dance. There's a season to cry. There's a season to plant, season to harvest. There's a season for everything in life. And if you find yourself walking through a trial, walking through tribulation, dealing with conflict, this is a season, right? It's going to end. And just like there was good seasons before this, there's going to be good seasons afterwards. So lead through this as a season and see if you can lead in a way that you can learn something through this. Um, the second thought, second idea, ways to lead through trials and tribulations is remember this. And I was reading this passage, Ephesians 6, 12, which basically says that um, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against rulers and principalities that aren't a part of this world. And so many times as we lead, we find the trials and tribulations as conflict with people, right? And as a leader, as a leader who is a believer in Jesus, whether you're leading in a church context, you're leading in a family context, you're leading in a business context, in a school context, the, what you're battling against isn't parent-child, it's not employee-employer, it's not client relationship, it's not a coworker, it's that our true enemy who is... Satan, right? He is battling against us and he wants conflict. He wants division. And he's going to use that to stop our leadership. Um, and so in that passage in Ephesians 6, he basically, he, in that passage, he gives um, five things that we can do and his advice. Paul gives advice of what to do. And the first thing that he says is to stand strong in God. And so if you find yourself in a trial and a tribulation and conflict, First of all, stand strong. Be strong. You may not feel strong, but you can yet still stand strong, okay? Second thing is to put on the armor of God. Um, put on the helmet of salvation, the, the breastplate, breastplate of righteousness. Easy for you to say. Um, so put on the armor of God, all right? Third is we want to pray in the Spirit. So we just want to continually be praying about the situation. What is it that God wants to do? Praying, ask God for him to move supernaturally against whatever these things that you're dealing with are. The fourth thing is to continue to stay alert. That means be aware of what's happening around you. Okay, if it's a trial, if it's a tribulation, it's someone that you're dealing with. Again, it's not necessarily always that person, but it's something supernatural that's happening around them. Be alert to what is happening in the supernatural. Uh, and then the fifth thing is to be persistent in our prayer. So just continue to pray, continue to pray, continue to pray. Ask God to show you things that are happening so that you can speak in to what's happening with truth. Right? Rather than speaking, speak with truth. And there's a big difference to that, okay? So the second thing is our battle is not against flesh and blood. And the third thing that we can do to lead through trials and tribulations is to recognize that God is your refuge. God's your refuge. And um, I remember one of the things that uh, probably the biggest trial tribulation that I walked through as just as not just as a leader, but as a person, it was a, it was a family issue. Um, 
And I remember talking, it was actually my wife was talking with a friend and she, her, her advice, the friend's advice to us was to let God be our refuge. And um, there's, there's, Psalms is full of these passages. And if you look at Psalm 61, it's an example that God is my strong tower. And so many times our conflict, our trials is with people. And so things are said about us or things are intimated about us. And our response is to want to defend ourselves and to say, no, 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 this is what that happened. This is what should have been said. This is, and we try to defend ourselves against that person or that situation. But God calls us to run to him and allow him to be our defender. Now, we can defend ourselves and we may get ourselves out of that situation. But if God is our defense, he gets the glory, right? So in those moments, run to God. Let him be your strong tower. Let him be your source of strength and let him defend you. And in the end, he's going to bring about a greater um, a greater future for you than if you defend yourself and try to do it yourself. Okay, so those are the three ways to lead. Now, just three tools or tips that I have for you. Um, and one, the first one is exactly what Jen said about 300 times in our interview, and it was so good, and it's to be have a sounding board. Who can you go to when you're dealing with a trial, a tribulation? Who's in your life, whether it's that one person, it's your spouse, it's a best friend, it's a group of people, but who can you go to to turn for godly advice and input? Who can give you something that is the right thing at the right moment? Um, who can you trust to show you your blind spots? That's a scary one, right? Who can you trust to show your blind spots? Who can just be a listening ear? Sometimes we don't need advice. We just need someone to listen. So who can be a sounding board for you? The second place is finding a quiet place. Where's a quiet place that you can go to? And a quiet place, so here's the thing, is when we deal with trials and tribulations, it's stress. And a lot of times the way that we try to deal with stress is we try to run or hide. And we try to run or hide in different ways. Sometimes it's addictive natures or things like alcohol or porn or uh, drugs. Sometimes it's work. We try to run away by working. Sometimes we run away by binging on Netflix. Um, But what we need is a quiet place. And the quiet place is where we hear the voice of God. And the quiet place is a daily thing. So every morning, every evening, every lunchtime, whatever that time is for you, you're you're getting alone to hear from God, and you're getting alone to read His Scripture, and you're getting alone to journal, just finding that quiet place on a daily, regular basis. But a quiet place can also be a quarterly just getting away for a day, Uh, Maybe it's getting away for a week, going to the mountains, a vacation time. Maybe it's a monthly daytime where you just go to the lake, you get by yourself. But I found when I'm in a trial and a tribulation that something's working deep inside of me that I'm struggling with. If I just get out of my routine and get out, drive, walk, do something different, find that quiet, turn off the radio and just listen for the voice of God, I find strength in that moment. So the last thing I would say, so first of all, finding a sounding board. Second, find a quiet place. And then the third thing that I would suggest is to read the Psalms. 
And the reason I say read the Psalms is the Psalms mostly, majority of the Psalms is written by King David. And so much of what he says is in times of trial and tribulation. When he's walking through betrayal, he's walking through failure, he's walking through figuring out his calling, he's walking through what it means to lead, all of those things he's writing about in song form, in poem form in the Psalms. And we find strength when we see other leaders walking through the same thing as us. Okay, so those are my three ideas, my three ways to lead through trials and tribulations, three tips and tools. I just want to close with this, is that you have an influence. And because you have an influence, you are a leader. So I encourage you to equip, equip yourself with leadership. Thanks for seeing, being here. We'll see you next time.